welcome to the exhaust notes podcast what is good everyone welcome to the exhaust notes formula one podcast my name is nick ingvall i'm with my guys todd and Rowett. we're gonna get back into some racing we've had a few off weeks i don't want to say it was intentional but you know when max is winning all the time you know what else do we have to talk about but uh, i guess that's going to be up for debate in this episode i'm just kidding we all have just had life happening and we're excited to be back talking about formula one again so what's good guys how you been I've been good. I mean, I've been traveling all over the world. I'm happy to be there with my team principal, Nicholas Engvall, and Todd Tholomew, my number one driver in the world. Yates, how's it going? Living the dream. Um, so I didn't know that you were traveling with the F1 grid this year. How was uh, Jeddah and Saudi Arabia? And, or wait, Bro, They wouldn't let me go out if I went to Jeddah and Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia. I think they would try to make me into a slave, allegedly. <laughs> well there goes our invite to the paddock <laughs> oh man no it's just nice to hear those dulcet tones of you two again <laughs> like i know that i think we left our listeners with the fantasy draft if not the hot takes episode which was quite the back-to-back pairing and yeah some of us have a 24 egg omelet on our face so who knew fernando alonso but before we even get started nick how do you want to do this because it's been a minute and i think we need to get our muscle memory back intact <laughs> well i i just figured that since todd and i started talking about the the uh the max and lewis debate you know most of all all of our conversation happens in the discord right and so this this last race before we go to the first two races of the season this last race kind of, uh, you know, our good friend Aaron, who has been on as a host multiple times, uh, was just a little a little perturbed that there was still conversation about Max and Lewis. But, you know, going back to our hot takes episode, I just need Lewis to get that one win. And I I saw the chance right there in front of us uh, in Australia. And unfortunately... They decided to have like the weirdest finish of a race since that last race that we don't want to talk about again. But, you know, I don't know. I don't even know if there's I think this is going to be the most chaotic episode we've ever recorded because I just feel like there's so many things that are going to come up. And, you know, I think we can just free ball it. <laughs> you had me at free ball. <laughs> <laughs> Freestyle, you could have gone anywhere with that, but we're gonna go balls out. Why not? Like so, to recap quickly, uh, Bahrain was Max Checo Alonso, Saudi Arabia was Checo Max Alonso, and finally, we have someone different on the podium in Australia with Max Lewis Alonso, which prompted the whole Max v. Lewis debate. Which I think should be – I mean, I get why we were just talking about this. Like I get why everybody – or everybody that's a Max slash Red Bull fan is like over it. Like we talked about like if you're a fan of a team and they did something bad in route to winning a championship. Shout out to our guy or, Mike Guillory, Houston Astros fan. Yeah. <laughs> or or uh, it wasn't even necessarily – it wasn't Max's fault or Red Bull's fault at all the way that Abu Dhabi 21 ended. But it's as I think you were alluding to, Nick, it was the most 
I, I would say it's probably one of the top three most important Formula One events happenings ever. Yeah, I saw I saw you say that in the Discord, and it really got me thinking. Like, it it has to be right. It's just it was that much of a big deal in the moment, and and it entered pop culture. Like it it transcended exactly the sport yeah. of Formula One to be like. And the, I said the top three biggest things ever in the history of Formula One were Senna's death, Michael Schumacher getting seven world titles, which was like crazy. And now we have Lewis with seven, and it's kind of it's equally as impressive, but not didn't really get into the zeitgeist like that. And then Abu Dhabi 21. And I think that's the craziest things that have ever happened in Formula One in that order. See, to me, I will push back a little bit gently because I think before even Abu Dhabi 2021, I think Drive to Survive is just because that's the reason why any sort of fan base that we have in America is because of that show. And yes, Abu Dhabi 2021 kind of did serve as the last, how would I say, ceremonial torch passing. And if I'm trying not to be too controversial, because I think ever since then, it's not been much of rivalry. Max has won every single race ahead of Lewis. I don't even think that the races that Lewis statistically was higher up in the positioning than Max, that it still felt like, oh, Max just didn't live up to the hype because his machinery let him down or occasionally his petulance or yada, yada, yada. It's not been a rivalry. And I'm probably the biggest Max hater on this podcast, but it is absurd to think that there is any sort of competitive balance between those two racers in the last two years. Yeah. It, it, it's, that's short-sighted, I think. I mean, like, not necessarily against your point, but the Max... Merck didn't have the car to compete, right? Right. So it wasn't even like the Max V Lewis thing couldn't even be there if we wanted it to be like, unless Max had like damage and he was racing in 10th or something sure. against Lewis, which I think we saw maybe once last year or something. But that goes to your point of like, it doesn't really matter where Max was. If he wasn't in front, then it was not necessarily. It wasn't by Max's doing, right? Essentially, no. But and I think Todd, as well, to your point, Formula One, as long as I've been watching it, has always been characterized not necessarily by the drivers who win a lot, but by the cars that allow those drivers to reach their winning potential. And it's never been the fact that it's been a perfect balance of Lewis and Mercedes or Max and Red Bull. Depending on who you ask, some people think it's the cars. Other people think it's the driver. It truly is a chicken and an egg situation. But for me, it's now getting to the point now where we've got, in my mind, a sample size because Checo is getting that first place if Max isn't much in a similar way that I would maintain maybe Valtteri Bottas might have been and definitely Jensen Button did in his one year that he won the title. And right now I would say this, say what you will about Red Bull's dominance. I still think Mercedes is a more dominant car because they proved at least one year that somebody outside of Lewis Hamilton could still bring home a title for them. And that's what Jensen Button did in what's looking like more and more the improbable fairy tale of a year because he truly shook up the status quo in a way that I don't think Formula One has ever seen since because it seems that every time we come into a new season, there's an anointed chosen one. More often than not, that person does go on and win the title. But for that year, for whatever reason, the fact that maybe Jensen Button got inside Lewis Hamilton's head in a way that we can never... Nico really Rosberg? 
Oh yeah, sorry. sorry. I don't know why I keep saying Jen. Sorry, I don't know why. Uh, he never drove me. for Mercedes. At least I don't think. Thank he you. Did. Thank you for stopping me. So this is what we call a quick edit. So hopefully. Nick has mastered deep fake and AI technology. And every time I entered in the word Jensen button coming out from my mouth, Nick's going to clean that up and say Nico Roseberg. But at the same time, it's that's looking more and more like an anomaly. Like, I don't think Checo Perez, even in his wildest dreams, could push Max the way Nico did for Lewis Hamilton. And that, I think, also reasserts the fact that the car is the more dominant thing than an actual driver. That's a good point. I mean... I think that the Nico Rosberg like comparison is a little bit different just because Lewis was still, I don't know. Lewis was still very new to winning at that, Mm -hmm. at that time. Right. Like it wasn't like he, he already had four titles though. Did he have four by then? Yeah. Okay. One with McLaren and three with Mercedes prior to that. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't see Red Bull, I don't see Checo winning a title in any way, right? Like, I, right. Red Bull is clearly like all in on Max, and you know, you can tell, you can tell just by the radio communications. You know, Max is kind of complaining that Checo wasn't going to slow down for him, and uh, was that Saudi Arabia, and it's like, I, I mean. I do understand that, but at the same time, like, you know, Checo's like five or six seconds ahead, you know, like there's no, there's no reason to like screw up the race just so Max can win in my opinion. And, and right. Thankfully Red Bull has stopped short of that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is Max's team. We know, we know that. And the, I agree that Checo will never, win a championship as long as he's racing against Max. Like, I mean that in the way that, like, say Checo left for Ferrari. Say Carlos, you know, gets fed up with Ferrari and leaves and then... Uh, I think it should be Charles at this point because my guy, the smooth oh, yeah, Charles is a better... <laughs> Charles is a... Talk about frustration. Holy shit. But we'll get to that. Um... It's, say Charles leaves Ferrari and Checo goes there and then Ferrari builds a super fast car. Then I think maybe Checo could be Max, but Checo's never going to beat Max at Red Bull because that's Max's team. Well, I don't want to cut you off, but this is a perfect time to uh, shout out our latest review. Hot Take Redemption by Alarmingly Beautiful. Todd's hot take with Danny Ricardo replacing Perez midseason would absolutely make this listener happy. Hey, Stephanie. So... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, Todd. <laughs> I mean, Checo just needs Todd's to get pissed off bump. enough to leave, and then you're in. You already you got your hot take is number one. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> thanks Stop for it. the uh, thanks for the review, Stephanie. And I don't think that Checo is underperforming uh, enough to get replaced at this point. Sadly, not that I want him to get replaced, but like I'd still love Danny Rick to be on the. Do grid. you think there's? Do you think there's any chance that Checo gets just pissed off enough to leave Red Bull in the midst of of a season? If going back to your what you just said, Nick, if they're racing one two, and Checo is number two in the drivers as he is now, and for some reason they call team orders. I think Checo would lose his. Not that he would leave the team, but I think he would make. I think he would uh, get Corona for the next race. Is how I would put it. 
<laughs> maybe, maybe Spanish flu, something like that. Montezuma's <laughs> revenge, if we want to yep. keep it regional. Um, that I that would piss him off to a point where he's just like, because right now, at least I know that it's all just words, but like Christian Horner has said several times, um, uh, that. We have two drivers. There is no number one. We let the cars race, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's going to remain true as long as they are one, two in the championship. Like, I don't think Checo's dumb enough to ever do anything to <clears throat> like take Max out, but it's really not going to matter because they're going to be so far out. I feel like that statement is the sneakerhead equivalent of saying, this is the last pair. Really? This is the last pair I'm buying. I'm not going to get any. I'm going to, I'm deleting the sneakers app. <laughs> as someone who just took a few months off and then completely lost the bet on a pair of sneakers <laughs> bet I, that I had on a pair of sneakers because I hit I completely understand that no, this is what exhaust notes does it brings you these tangible examples that really hit you right in your feels regardless of what your special interest is outside of Formula 1 <laughs> that's, that's okay. very true so speaking of special interests, I mean, going back to the Checo thing, one of us had boldly said that he expects Danny Ricardo to race in at least two races this year. So really, I should be getting the shout out, Stephanie. So thank you for that. And, uh, but at the same time, <laughs> it's not looking too good right now for somebody that's made that bad like I have. Just because I don't think Checo Perez is that volatile character that we would assume him to be to throw a petulant fit. I think worst case scenario, we get that seasonal Montezuma's revenge if he truly feels bad. And then he goes back to a Red Bull brainwashing camp and hopefully comes out a better person. And by better person, I mean a number two driver that has no squabbles with Max because that's what's going to take. It's, there's no other end game scenario. And I do feel happy because more and more every race, I look like a genius because of this 800 point Red Bull constructor title that I had guaranteed in the hot takes episode and right now who's to stop me <laughs> i don't know max fans I, I, <laughs> I don't have a good answer for that so let me ask you this if i can we've gone on record saying we don't think checo is dumb enough to take max out of a race can we flip that equation is max dumb enough to take checo out of a race because i could see that happening no because max and max is actually and then we saw it in Australia this weekend. Max has leveled up in his strategic thinking or whatever. He left, admittedly, too much room into turn one at um, Albert Park in Australia this weekend and opened the door for Lewis. And Lewis went deep on the brakes and for the most part left him enough room on the track, but definitely squeezed him. And Max being like old Max would have tried to keep his line more and they would have ended up in a shunt, but new, what did you call me? (laughs) (laughs) New Max, uh, uh, conceded the position kind of bitched about it on the radio, just like all the drivers do. And then know that like, oh, my car's 30 miles an hour faster than you in a straight line. So don't worry, I'll get you back. And he did. He he went around him like he was standing still. So speaking of strategic thinking, though, because you brought that up, because you said that, can we just talk about how Fernando Alonso has already plotted the 336,000 
options for the next race in his mind and calculates them while driving at 200 miles an hour around a race course and will correct the team, the team engineers based on what, you know, like I think in, I literally picture the, uh, what's the, the hangover meme. That's, that's Alonzo's head at all times. Oh, the calculations. Yeah, the calculations. <laughs> like some of the, some of the radio responses from him in Australia were just like, wait, how is he thinking about this? Is, is it, does he have the rule book with him? Is he currently reading while, while, while driving around the track? I, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand how he knows that stuff. No, I mean, I think this is a hallmark of transcendent champions in every sport, right? So Kobe Bryant, who's done a great job in terms of mythologizing himself prior to his untimely death, as well as after the fact, he was a stickler for the rule book. He knew every letter, every bylaw, every 0.2, Bill Belichick has done the same thing. He's made a career out of extending his dynasty because he knew how to handle a certain special teams punt. Fernando Alonso is, in my mind, it's no longer about El Plan. He is La Simulation because he can basically see everything happening at the same time. And it's really that Dr. Strange quote where he's just meditating and he sees all 14 million outcomes at a given time. And he's always choosing the one that gives him the most opportunity. And that's why he always talks about missing out on points because he's seen all the other 13.99999 million scenarios where he did get a point, but it's always he just has the world's worst luck. And every time he picks a scenario, it's a scenario that ultimately results in him not getting enough points or getting any points at all. <laughs> La Simulation is amazing. Because um, it's French and he's Spanish. And thank you. I'm a member. I wasn't even questioning the uh, origin of the nickname there, but he really is and has always been. We kind of talked about it in the Discord. But I think that comes along with racing for, what's he on, 22 years now? Yeah. I think so. I think he was here 22 no, or 23. Well, next year yeah. will be 20. Yeah. Whatever. 20 plus years of racing. Um, most of those in Formula One. He's been doing it so long that he's just like, yeah, I know the rules. Because, like, the general rule book doesn't change that much. And if it does have some drastic change, like, there's a big hubbub about it, right? Like, when they changed to sprint races or in 2000, early 2000s, when they changed the qualifying format, like, they they make a big big enough stink about it that every driver learns the rules, but he remembers every single rule and can recall that at 200 miles an hour while like closing the door on somebody. It's amazing. Yeah. So I feel like this: 200 miles per hour for him is like 40 miles per hour for us. It's just repetitions. It's just slowed down for him. Like I would, and we don't have that technology yet, but I would love to know what is going through his mind during a Formula One race because the only thing I can compare him to is another Formula One French racer that ultimately made it big overseas as well in the NASCAR circuit. And I'm talking about Jean Girard, who from that documentary Talladega Nights, I believe he was sipping an espresso during mid-race. So I feel like that's what Fernando Alonso does. But instead of an espresso, what's a Spanish drink? Maybe some horchata? Maybe a nice amaquilla? Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great analogy. I, I definitely a Peroni because he's sponsored by them. Yeah, yeah. Peroni and Kimona have a collaboration that's coming pretty soon. Yeah. You guys missed. You can admit it. Oh, come on. Of course I do. <laughs> Where am I, else am I going to get these shenanigans from? So that simulation. Uh, we got sidetracked there a little bit from the initial point was Max Max V Lewis. The question I want to know is, 
and I'm I'm sure Trevor will rib me for this, but like, where the hell did not to be very stereotypical F1 journalist, but where did F1 like uh, Mercedes pace come from all of a sudden? Like, granted, they're not at Red Bull's level yet, but not even a race like a race ago, they were. Yeah, a second per lap, and I I know it's track dependent and all that stuff, but they they were over a second per lap slower than Red Bull, and on in race pace, and they were like seven tenths, eight tenths slower than them in qualifying trim, and and now in qualifying trim they're hundredths off or something. I I can't remember what the qualifying. Uh, actually, I can check that right now. Yeah, but I mean. Who are they? Nick, go for it because I have a couple of thoughts on this, but I don't know how to frame it up, and you're far more eloquent and articulate than I could ever hope to be about this subject. I don't, I don't know about that, but I just, in my gut, feel like Mercedes has kind of been sandbagging this whole preseason. You know, like I don't think they're at Red Bull pace. I don't think anybody will be at Red Bull pace until we get way into this season, but. You know, like right now, as we're recording this, you're in the middle of a month break, right? And a lot of things can happen for the team. They don't necessarily need to be on the track racing in order to make improvements, in my opinion, right? And I think Mercedes has kind of perfected that anyway. And it's just them getting back to where they were at. I Honestly, I've just kind of expected it. You know, like it's also it's also just the, the you know, track dependency 100% you know, is an, is part of that equation. But to me, I think, I think like Toto Lewis are, they're like, you know, they're like any major rivalry in sports, right? Like you level up to play against your fiercest competitors. And how long can you get your ass handed to you by Red Bull? If you're Mercedes, if you're Toto and, and Lewis, how long are you will, really going to put up with like losing as poor, as badly as they have been? Because yes, for, you know, TV purposes and Netflix purposes and entertainment purposes. Oh, we're battling for, you know, fourth or fifth, you know, we're watching, you know, Alpha Tori and McLaren and we were, we're chasing Aston and bullshit. Like you only care about beating two people out there, Christian Horner and Max Verstappen. And if they if they if they think anybody buys any of that shit, I just I can't I can't like really fathom that that's how that that's not a huge part of how they're like chasing them down this season. It's going to be this way the, the entire season, in my opinion. But I'll get off my high horse there. Oh, no, I think your high horse is lovely. And please give Duchess <laughs> my best. My thought is this, though. The modern day. Formula One era, I guess, would be characterized by initially what the first four wins that Seb had in Red Bull. And that was followed by the subsequent seven or eight with Mercedes, including the one with Jensen Button. Wink. And now we've got the start of a new era where it's two. And it's always a question of, okay, if it truly is a rivalry, each team or each person within said rivalry has to have three acts. We've now literally gone through... Red Bull's attempt at trying to quell the insurrection that Mercedes had. And I don't even think it's an insurrection if you've won seven or eight championships in a row. Kudos to Red Bulls for pulling off what seems to be as dominant of a two-year stretch as we've seen. But they still have six years to go before they could, in, t- in theory, match 
Mercedes brilliance. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us have been waiting for Toto to unlock the sheer vengeance that came across with him wearing that black turtleneck and saying, everybody is in our sights. Because guess what? Last year, nobody was in your sights. You were wearing the Stevie Wonder glasses. You were basically hitting the track with the blind cane because you couldn't find your way to a podium until the very end. So it's nice that you guys have this, but it's right now, it's still one race in a grand scheme of what I would say 30 races where they haven't really looked like themselves. So cool. Good job. Let's see you do it again. Because ultimately at the end of the day, I would say this, Fernando Alonso's got a better shot at winning a race than any either one of them do at this point. And I hate saying that because I've got George Russell on my team. I really respect Lewis Hamilton as a driver, but it seems to me that the best driver and the best team not named Red Bull is the Green Bull, a.k.a. the Aston Martin. I'm talking on mute. Did it again. All right. Take a shot. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna become a drinking game. I love it. Um, to to counter kind of what both of you said, I actually think I read something earlier, and I've been thinking about it since. But I feel like, and I think George was the one that said it. I feel like Red Bull hasn't even turned up the wick yet. Really, they're actually hiding pace. They're so far in advance in front of everyone that I feel like they're maybe running on like a slower uh, lower power engine mode or they're like telling Max to like lift and coast because they don't want to. They're so far ahead that they, one, don't want like the ire of the F1 paddock at them trying to slow them down and all the team principles coming together to like change the regulation all of a sudden that hurts them in some way. But two – they are preparing for the second half of the season when the, the testing kind of that Nick alluded to, like kicks it, like really actually starts to hurt them in the development. I can't remember what it's called, ART time or something like that. But also, like, I agree with you, Ro, that I think the only real challenger to like actually winning a race this year is going to be Fernando Alonso. But I, I don't think that Mercedes does the whole like everyone else has a target on their backs and then comes out after the what was it the first race and writes like a sob story letter about how bad their performance was that it hurt them like emotionally and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys saw that, but Mercedes did like a public press release about how, you know, in their feels they were about how badly they suck. Um, it's not official but, until I get a Drake remix of that letter, if that is actually true, because that <laughs> yeah, is truly me. <laughs> I mean, how do, they come out, boy how do they come out and <laughs> say that when Lewis finished fifth? I think it's... It was like a weird overreaction, I felt like, that they were like... I don't know if it was – let's see. What was the race results for the first two races? While Todd's looking that up, I, I just want to drop a hot 16 on certified loser boys, a.k.a. Mercedes. I kid. But at the same time, like I get that you ultimately have Lewis Hamilton in the twilight of his prime, if not already exiting that prime. And you kind of want to capitalize on that. You want to give him that opportunity to ultimately win that title that puts him one over Schumacher, who's considered to be the modern GOAT. And he is now the modern GOAT just by a sheer number of rings – 
perspective. It's not going to happen, it seems. So ultimately now it just seems like a race of, will Max get to seven? And then there's a three-way tie because right now it's truly shaping up this narrative that Schumacher was Larry Bird, Lewis Hamilton was Magic Johnson, and now it seems Max might be Michael Jordan at this point because it seems the only person Max is chasing now is his own potential, which is a daunting task if you are a past racer who's been very comfortable in terms of their laurels, in terms of their accomplishments to establish their precedence as the GOAT or the GOATs. I think Max is chasing his father's love, the one thing he can't have. I think if That was also a joke that was said on our Discord. That's uh, probably 100% accurate, though, if we're, if we're really <laughs> going to be going into, you know, therapy mode. But before we move on from that statement, Lewis finished fifth in the first and second races. He finished second in the third race. George finished fourth in either the first or second race. To say that you're emotionally scarred from finishing in the top five, what is that, five out of seven or sorry four out of six opportunities as a team is like exactly why i think mercedes is sandbagging i just think yeah. that they just play to everybody's it's just like drake you said you said it it's just like drake is drake really as emotionally scarred and damaged and love struck as he comes across on an album no he's selling a fucking album mercedes is selling everybody on the idea that this is just such a struggle for them how will they ever get through it? It's just going to be such an emotionally draining. Oh God, we can't do it. We're just Mercedes. We've just won eight of the last 10 titles. This is such a rough experience for us. How will we try to be Williams? You mother. Sorry. Like counterpoint. Hold on. I have to, I have to jump in here. Granted what you said sounds good, right? Like, Oh, they finished fifth and fourth and fifth and whatever. It's only been three races. And now they got, uh, Lewis and P2. Um, George would have been up there if he didn't explode. However, I will counter that point with combined total uh, time behind Max in the first three races is like a minute and a half. The first race, they were 50 seconds behind. And I believe that's why they they posted the like, oh, we're all, we're all in our fields. We're so terrible we're we're gonna we're gonna get better sorry bro it's i had to put enough. that in there no 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 in, in fact it's one of those things that i know we've been comparing him to drake i think that level of fake humbleness that woe is me but god dang it i'm gonna try so so hard next time is more taylor swift than drake at this point <laughs> because nobody does fake humbleness better than tay tay don't you speak ill of my girl <laughs> really when did this unholy alliance i know i've been gone for a month but really like is this coco's doing <laughs> <laughs> it might be one day Todd I was going to say it costs a college semester to get tickets to a show based on what I'm saying and I would rather Coco get a fine university education at Arizona State or San Luis Obispo than go to a Taylor Swift concert and if you I guys have let her go to with that, you can find me on Instagram at R-A-H-B-E-E 702 <laughs> <laughs> oh Sorry, I think Nick was trying to make a point there, and we yep. derailed it. No, it was great. Sorry, Nicholas. It was great. I, I, I made the point that I needed to make. I just think Mercedes just plays with people's emotions the way that they claim to be emotional. So here, here's a mea culpa that I'll put to the both of you. 
who, which driver from a non-Red Bull team will get the most points out of anybody? Is it still going to be Fernando at the end of the year? Or do you see this sandbagging Mercedes thing come to fruition? And lo and behold, next time we have this type of conversation, Mercedes is going to lap even La Simulation. I think it's, I think no. it's absolutely Alonso. Yeah. Fernando is, is going to be, uh, honestly, I think that there's almost zero chance that we don't see Max Checo and Alonso as finishing one, two, three and driver standing at the end of the year. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, I don't think that Mercedes is sandbag any, anyway. I think they went with a concept that <clears throat> in theory, should really work in some fashion. I don't understand aerodynamics. Um, it's science. Yeah, I don't understand the sciencey stuff. I, I pretend to. On you can actually <laughs> learn about it on TikTok under the new STEM uh, category. Did you know that you? But see, Nicholas, Sorry. here I hate to break it to you, but I'm a member of the Australian Parliament, and I just got word <laughs> that all TikTok is banned on Australian government <laughs> devices. So I don't know what I'm going to do next. <laughs> I mean, how are they going to support their favorite drivers? But I don't think they're sandbagging in any in any shape or form. And they built the concept that doesn't work. And we're going to see proof of that come Baku because they're going to supposedly this is the rumor mill working again, that they're going to come with a, a updated concept, more typical side pod design. And then it's going to take them two or three races to figure out how to run that concept before they even start progressing so we're looking at five six seven races into the season before they even start to get better pace i think there was several factors in the australia race that uh definitely they had quick cars and they should have probably been in p4 5 something like that but uh is we're looking at race seven maybe eight before they actually start to know how to run their car I think that's a fair assessment. I have one scenario that I would throw at you, Todd, both of you, but Todd specifically, because the way that Rowett asked about who is going to be, you know, behind Red Bull or closest to Red Bull as a driver, obviously it's going to be Fernando. But the one thing that's interesting that I was just thinking about the other day is like, Fernando Alonso and Max Verstappen have never really had that head-to-head competitiveness. And if we get to a point where where Fernando is is keeping the pace of Red Bull, that could be really interesting, not only for Fernando, but for Mercedes as stragglers right behind. Because even at, like right now, like Lance Stroll is not quite up to the pace you know, like he's got a fast car, but he's or maybe, you know, maybe it's his wrists, his hands, stuff, whatever. Maybe he picks it up, but it's almost like I forget what race it was last year, but it was essentially like uh, the whatever the battle was that was happening. And, and Lewis was basically like waiting in the, you know, waiting behind and then just cut through and pass two drivers yep. as they're battling each was other. It right? Silverstone? Because yeah, I Silverstone. feel like it was how yep. could we forget? It's the one episode and we keep showing. And Hamilton. Yeah, exactly. But like that's a scenario where I could see that actually playing out pretty frequently if Alonso gets up to Max's pace and, or anywhere in, in that, you know, like Red Bull range. Also, just from a competitiveness aspect, 
Fernando's not going to give Max any room. He's not going to give, you know, like Max will have to relearn how to drive competitively if Alonso gets up there, right? Because Alonso is a different beast than anybody else on the track. We know that. We've talked about how good he is as a driver defensively. We've talked about how just stubborn he is as a driver strategically. I think that's like an actual possibility. Like we might be talking about it 10 races from now that like, Hey, you know, Max and uh, Alonzo have, you know, knocked each other out once or twice. And now we have like this interesting mix of people near the top of the field that we wouldn't have expected to be there. Is that, a, I mean, is that a, a possible outcome for all this stuff? I think it is. In fact, I would say this, whereas there may be less points between Max and Lewis, I think Fernando has the potential to get into Max's head in a way we've not seen before. Because to your point, it's almost looking, it's that Spider-Man meme come to life. But if you take the mask off Spider-Man, one is like a grizzled vet and the other one's a baby-faced assassin. And that's what I think is going to happen is the fact that you have a driver that's known for his aggression, known for his defensive prowess, known to being a two-time champion. And then you also have Max Verstappen. Which is saying something because we haven't had that opportunity yet to see somebody stoop to Max's level in terms of the sheer douchebaggery and the pettiness that both of those drivers specialize in. And yeah, it is something that no matter how many rounds of media training both of them go through, there is going to be that flashbulb moment this year where we're going to see the ugly side of the race. And it's going to be beautiful to watch, ironically, because of the fact is then we'll feel like there is some semblance of a competition because much to Todd's point earlier on in this episode, everything about this Formula One season feels exciting except for the most exciting part of all, which is a race winner. Yeah, I, I'm praying that happens. Like I'm going back to the Red Bull penalty with the development or whatever. I'm praying that really does slow them down and they don't have all this extra pace in their pocket. And towards the end of the season, we do see like the the Green Bull green balls catch up um because like that's like a wet dream like an f1 fans wet dream is is watching max v alonso right yeah. like if if there's a race on the line and they're battling for position and say alonso's in front god that's gonna be like a master class of like aggressive overtaking and defensive like mega skill I pray that happens at some point this year. No, the only that thing being said, I, I don't think it will be – we would have to take Checo out of the equation for that because Checo is – I feel a little bit closer to Max's pace this year. He's like two, three, four tenths off Max's pace in the same fast car <clears throat> and has uh, the ability to uh, – like if he gets pissed off, it seems like keep pace and like keep Max behind at some semblance of, of pace there. So I hope we see it, but I don't, I don't think we will because I feel like if we do get with um, a Max, Max Checo battle, it's going to be Sergio right behind them. And if you have that rear gunner, so to speak, you have to kind of keep one eye behind you and we won't get that kind of battle that we're looking for. 
Can we can we get a timestamp right now? It is 927 on April 3rd, 2023. And this is, I think, the latest I've seen in an episode where Todd Yates has no faith in Lance Stroll as a rear anything. So that's something to watch. <laughs> that being said, as you were kind of going on that beautiful monologue, the thing I keep thinking about, if we get this hypothetical matchup between Max and Fernando, it's very Dragon Ball Z. It's very anime. We're going to get like these three episode fight arcs that is just going to be punch after punch after dodge after punch after kick and then all of a sudden little krillin is going to pop up out of nowhere and just cause goku that tiny bit of advantage that he takes out frieza or takes out cell and so that will be me making the checo is krillin comparison on your exhaust notes formula one bingo card so please respect the timestamp. that is actually 928 <laughs> can we can we please get dragon ball z cover art for this episode because i know we have a large group of those fans in the discord that we can get some crossovers for i would just like to say that the first time i watched that episode my dad was stumbling upon the tv at uh, whatever sunday morning it was in mid-missouri he goes why are you watching a show called dragon balls <laughs> that's that's a fair question it is and why weren't you or why, why were you uh, it's just it, Middle school is a time of much exploration for your boy. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect response. Yeah. Okay. We've spent time on the top whatever enough. Can we talk about how insane that race was? And shout out to Dalton, first off, because I, he, he asked a very good question on the race with the most red flags ever, which I was thinking about. Turkey two years ago, I actually thought it was four, but that was also two. And this race was that the Bandit win? No, 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 not uh, not Turkey. God, damn. Hungarian. No, or was it that race? To go back. Okay, was it that race in Germany in the rain where like Lewis got like thirteenth? No, God, were they all dressed like a? Just like the 1950s. No, yeah. the race I was talking about is when they had the re- the they did a rolling restart, and they had like the concertina effect, and like half the drivers in the back of the grid crashed into each other, including your boy Lance Stroll. Um, I can't remember what race that was, but this race had the most red flags ever in Formula One history. Which was a fun fact. Or I guess that's my fun fact for the episode. That was staggeringly weird. So what are you guys' thoughts on, on the red flags, the ending, all that? Here, I'm going to kick the hornet's nest a little. I just think it's weird that Max can't win a definitive race, even though he's the most definitively dominant Randy. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see oh, that, man. that coming. That might be the hottest take of the season so far. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, he did win. Her. He did win the first race by uh, a fair, fair margin. Oh yeah, like no, he beat sure. his teammate by eleven seconds. Of course, like, I'm, I'm being facetious, but at the same time, it's just funny. Like that's one thing you can always kind of stir up in terms of the Verstappen rebellion. It's just like, how come this dude doesn't do it every time? Like, why is it always with an asterisk? It seems. <laughs> I was just trying to lob up more things for you to knock out of the park. <laughs> I mean, I thought I thought that that it's just, it's such a terrible experience for the fans. That's my one 
gripe with all the red flags and all the like confusion and the back and forth. And I get that like as commentators, they have to tell you, Oh, these are the three possible four possible outcomes of, of what could happen. But ultimately you're just sitting there for, you know, another 20, 30 minutes. And like, it was great. Cause everybody is like chatting it up in the discord. It made it fun, like waiting to see what was going to happen. But if you're just watching the race, it's just confusion. And then you're like, wait, they're starting again. Like, yeah. Why are they starting again when, Oh, but let's clarify they're starting again, but nobody can pass anyone. So they're starting again and they're actually racing, but nobody can pass because it's, we've already, we've already been through this before. And it's like, well, if you've been through this before, why not just either call the race or extend the race by five laps, some other experience that doesn't mean cool. We're going to try to pile all 18 remaining cars into the first corner because everybody has a chance to now win, you know, in theory, it just doesn't make any sense. And it created the exact same chaos that you would expect from, doing it that way right so would you have rather had them end it there because there was only two laps left i mean of course i wouldn't i would prefer to see like it race all the way through right like i think i understand the logic of the rules to say hey we've got to run this many laps but i think this goes back to sorry aaron this goes back to the same reason why you don't just start the last lap you know, halfway through and say, Oh, Hey, you know, we're going to let Max get fresh tires and, and Lewis is stuck out all those things that, that ended up screwing up that from a fan's perspective, either side, right? Of course, you're going to be happy that your guy won, but like from a fan's perspective, it just creates confusion. There's already, the sport is already confusing enough for most fans. I think that if you, if you take a situation like that and say like, Look at other sports. Other sports have all sorts of rules for the, the, you know, overtime scenarios, right? First to score, baseball throws somebody on second base now, sudden death, all these different various ways of, of handling it. Formula One should, should create something that's like, hey, we race, we, we finish under green for the love of the game. Five laps, every race, clean laps have to finish the race. Everything else shouldn't matter, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion, because I, I would rather see that where like, yes, it's going to be a little chaotic at, at five laps or whatever that is. But it's not going to be everyone fighting to get through the way that they did on that. You know, like it was just absolute chaos. Right. And the it's worth the risk for all those guys. Right. Because, hey, if you make it through that and you and they don't reset, you know, like if you make it through that first corner and you're still alive and your car still runs and you make it past the first whatever checkpoint for or the first section checkpoint then now all of a sudden you've got guys that should have been 12th or 13th finishing in fifth or sixth so like of course you're going to take that risk right it just makes sense to take that risk because it's such a huge jump but if it was five laps and you had to make it five laps you're not going to you're not going to nosedive into a corner with no exit strategy just because hey i might jump six places in the in, in the position I could go on and on, but I think Nick succinctly hit that on the head. It's a sport that generates a lot of excitement. And for you to end a race that way, it seems like a slap in the face 
of whatever forefathers there were that are associated with this. And I don't think anybody would mind winning a race under those circumstances. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I keep coming back to this. If you've listened to this episode or many episodes before it, it's just these guys have always been characterized as going for it, as being the most selfish people on this earth because they have that truly competitive gene. And I'm sure it makes their blood boil that they have to win within the confines of a safety car because it's just not fun. And ultimately, I'm selfish. I'm a low-level Neanderthal that still doesn't understand the technical nuances of the sport. But me understand fast race go vroom and winner go yay. So why not just do that? I think one other thing that I think of, and I'm going to be a little too nice to Red Bull and Max Verstappen in this next statement. But it's, it's, it also doesn't make sense to end the race in the way that it was ending, right? Like where from a – look, Max dominated the race. There's no reason that – you know, like I, I I understand that as fans of the sport, we also are like, oh, a crash, yellow flag, you know, pace car, virtual – you know, like safe, virtual safety car, all the things that are like throw a curveball into the race itself. But like in a situation like – this race, right? Max is dominant, should have won. There should have been no question that he was going to win. If you go to a format where you're, you're running, you've got to run five laps straight. He's at the front. When you restart the odds of him, either the odds of him losing first place within that first lap or two are maybe higher, but the odds of him gaining it back over the course of five laps, it, it kind of resets and, and like, gives credit where credit is due. If you've already run for two, two hours at the front of the, pack right and i think that you know it, it would be unfair in my opinion to have like look it there's all sorts of stuff that's unfair about the sport it's just the sport but it would be completely weird to for me as much as i would have loved to seen lewis somehow beat max off that start like off that restart it, it just would have been completely off and you know I, we don't need any more wars between the fans <laughs> So I thought it ended appropriately, and I'll tell you a couple of reasons backing that up. Uh, one, when the crash happened, that last red flag, there was a ton of debris on the track, so much so that the, I guess the Aston Martin like cameraman, or he's, he's part of the Aston Martin team, he got hit with... A piece of debris so bad it stuck in his arm and he had to get like 20 stitches and there's a bunch of pictures online of this you should check it out and the crazy like sidebar about this craziness is after they took it out some fan stole it and took it home like they couldn't even present it as evidence because they took the shard out of the suit arm and somebody stole it but yeah so the safety factors my first first reason for that is they have to kill the race to clean up the debris especially on a street circuit like that where it doesn't blow off into the 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 rocks or the grass or whatever um and they they have to put the course back in a race prepped mode so they have to stop the race the reason it can't do overtime is because of the fuel issue and we've talked i think this came up Last time we were talking about stupid Abu Dhabi 21. Um, 
they would have to figure out a system in which they give every driver an additional five kilograms of fuel or whatever. It would have to be the same for every car. They'd have to have it measured. They'd have to have the FIA certify it, et cetera, et cetera, for them to continue racing. But to, uh, to counter your point, Nick, about like give them five laps and like there's more of a chance that all the drivers won't go for the dive, the crazy dive bombs. I disagree because you can't make up that much time in five laps. You might get a position, you might get two, but you're not going to go from 12th to fifth. Like unless a huge crash or something happens in front of you, like you're not going to dive bomb five cars in, in one corner, but all the race cars drivers are going to try like to your, to, to your exact point. If you give them two laps or a lap of racing, or five laps, they know that they can't make up that much time if they don't go for some crazy move. So you're going to get that same results in an overtime, so to speak. That So that's why I think that there's really no good way to end it. I know it sucks for the fans, but like safety being paramount and race car drivers behaving like Neanderthal hyped up kids, like there, it, there's no only one good way to end it, and that's the safe way under a safety car parade lap call it so be it that's just racing sometimes we get exciting finishes sometimes we get a you know parade lap ending i mean apparently they could sell more shrapnel as merch if they <laughs> finished races like this that to be fair, be most, do that anyway that might be the most australian thing i've ever heard is i'm Good day, mate. I'm gonna take this strap. I won't make it a belt buckle. Don't even know <laughs> if that was an Australian accent, but let me quickly pivot and ask you to the fan that did that, is he a rock star or is he a wanker? Because that's always what it comes down to in Formula One parlance. I'm gonna go with wanker. Like I feel like if I get stabbed with something in the course of my job, I wanna be able and like I survive and whatever, like I wanna be able to present that and be like, Yeah, remember that day? Like I got a seven inch piece of carbon fiber stuck in my arm. Like, have you met yeah. Hank? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I want that framed somewhere. That's my belt buckle. That's not your belt buckle. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. That's a, uh, I mean, that's just crazy. I didn't, I didn't even see that, but. So speaking of soul piercing content, can we talk about Ferrari and the frustration of Charles Leclerc? <sighs> Do we have to? Man, do I feel bad for that kid? Like, get punted off. Though. Like, I mean, listen, I'm happy as a pig in shit right now because I've always said Carlos was a better driver, but not this way. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've, they've not even just this race, but they've both been having their own struggles. Like last race, Carlos was nowhere. It's it's been three uh, three races this season. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but it is my specialty, especially given the confines of this podcast. But more and more, it seems that last year was an aberration. Yeah, like uh, they are pulling their best version of what we expect Ferrari to be right now, and. They just tried to be very Italian about it and be like, oh, it was that dude's fault. So we're just going to get this new guy, Freddie, and he's cool. So he's going to be better, right? And they're just buying time until we get 
eventually the next CEO of Ferrari naming the next team principal of the Ferrari F1 team. No, I mean, and round and round we go. Exactly. It's a carousel of ineptitude. I mean, the best way I can think about it is what you just said. It's like, hey, man, Bonato's fake ID was terrible, but Fred, he's got a really good one. So we're going to get all this Italian wine. And then when you see Fred take his fake ID to the counter, it just says McLovin. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a crazy stat. Like, you think, oh, okay, Ferrari's battling for the... uh, you know, third in the championship at this point, right? They're probably really fighting Mercedes. And I granted we're being facetious a little bit. We think Ferrari might be a little bit better. They have a quick car. It just burns through tires crazy and breaks really easily. But like, okay, so they're fighting for P3 again. Aston made this big leap. Red Bull's way the hell out front. So P3, respectable, right? Plus we're battling Mercedes with a perennially good team. As it stands right now, and I know this is just a snapshot at a moment in time, but they are actually closer to McLaren in fifth than they are to Mercedes in third. They're only 14 points above McLaren. McLaren! With, uh, they have 26 points. McLaren has 12 after three races. McLaren is dog shit. Like, they should be battling Alpha Tauri for 10th this year, realistically, right? Their car is so bad. And I know they got lucky with the craziness in Australia to get them some points finally. But holy shit. Like, there should be some alarm bells at Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have any any opinion or thoughts on Ferrari this season. Honestly, I, I just want Mattia Bonato to start a vlog where he just sits and drinks wine and just laughs. <laughs> And that's all every week right after the race ends. He just uploads a vlog, just laughing, just smiling, having a grand old time. That's all I want to see. I see. I would like to one up you and say in between sips of wine, he's actually gardening to really take the piss out of the gardening. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just a a live cam like Bonato's livecam.com. Yeah, just, no, it's, with Shaggy, Shaggy's boombastic slowly <laughs> playing in the background like just... it wasn't no, I was just going to say you know how during the holidays every streamer every channel has like the log burning that should be Bonato for all other three seasons of him just gardening listening to Shaggy <laughs> I um, would 100% watch a reality show with Bonato and Gunther just like a travel show. Like they just drive around a small Italian car and do stuff. Yeah. Not only that, I mean, I'm not one to give you, the listener, any sort of updates on other podcasts you could listen to. But if they do decide to make that a podcast, I would like to make an endorsement in terms of being a sponsor for their podcast. <laughs> if for no other reason, just so it would reaffirm my love for the sport. Seriously. Can you imagine Gunther Steiner doing a zipper career or a <laughs> <laughs> athletic career by Matteo Bonato would be beautiful in Italian and English. That'd be amazing. Can we, uh, so, can we, can we talk about one quick thing? It'll just be very, very quick just to squeeze it in. Go for it. Our most important. Why do they do this question every year? Can we just have the pink car all year for frick's sake? Like, <laughs> just leave the pink 
car pink. That's all we need. Like Alpine just, yeah. Okay, go ahead, Todd. No, I'm, I, I 100% agree with you. And I hope you enjoyed the pink car because it's now gone for the rest of the year. Yeah, because it's just another black car on the grid. Like I don't understand this. What is the infatuation with the color black this year in it, terms of the it'll liveries? have it'll have uh, pink side pots, traces of pink yeah. that result in a stink. If you ask me, <laughs> well, it happens when your drivers run into each other, allegedly. Um, but the, uh, the thing I wanted to ask: the reason that all the cars are black is because they want to save weight and like. Three grams matter to these engineers. Um, uh, Carlos penalty. I want to yeah. talk about that. Is that a penalty or no? Do you, like there was so many, so much other contact in this race that didn't yeah. get penalized. Like uh, Logan Sargent punted somebody off like th- <laughs> three zip codes away. No penalty. Uh, the pink cars like literally tried to fuse into one car. No further action. Carlos has, maybe he went deep on the brakes. He looked like he was also squeezed. He punts off Fernando because of the consequence. And that, I think Trav made that point in the discord. He was like, no penalty or contact plus consequence equals penalty. There's also consequences for other drivers and they didn't penalize them. They penalized Carlos because Fernando's now turning from heel to a good guy. Like what the fuck FIA? Excuse my French. Yeah. I, I don't know how they call that a penalty and not any of the other, like, I mean the whole, that whole, the whole end of the race just felt like pure chaos to me. And I felt like somehow Carlos was like, you're the guy we're going to blame. And yes, of course. What if they done you know. to my beautiful boy? Like he did nothing <laughs> to deserve that. Like, absolutely nothing. And yeah. there's this concept in American football in terms of fumble luck or regression luck. Like I feel like in spite of everything, Ferrari had a pretty decent year last year in terms of luck. And this is regressing to the mean because it's just this ticky tack shit. And it's not just Ferrari. Esteban Ocon had something similar happen to him. Fernando had a podium place taken away from him, but then given back to him. If there's one thing that's been consistent this year, it's been how shitty and how inconsistent the, dare I say, refereeing of the sport has been. I really hope that they take these next four weeks to tighten shit up because it's getting absurd. Like every race has some sort of head scratching moment. Like, what are we doing here? Did you just say Ferrari had a lucky year last year? In spite of everything, yes. <laughs> was that when their engines were exploding every other race or where, where did they, they were... end up in the final standings okay 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 i guess if you put it in that context because they got p2 sure they were lucky <laughs> and that is a modern miracle of science <laughs> because to your point engines were blowing up and they were it's... pitting for intermediates <laughs> or double boxing or double stacking i mean uh, Every day was December 26th because it was Boxing Day for those guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Stand corrected. Oh. Um. Yeah, there was so much crazy stuff in that race. We could go for two hours, but I think we nailed all the highlights. All right. I will ask you this, Todd. Give I'll give you both 30 seconds of your favorite thing that happened in the race that we did not discuss. Mm, that's hard. 
Nick, do you have one? Nothing that stands out. I think it would have been hilarious and terrible and all of the above if the if the scenario would have played out where Alonzo wasn't in third and you had like basically Alfa Romeo and McLaren like all at like what four, five, six, seven, or something like that before they were like, oh no, they didn't make it to the sector marker. But that begs the question, like if Logan Sargent comes along and punts somebody across the sector line. Does he get three points for that? Like, is it like a, <laughs> well, technically a, field, that's goal? a field goal? Field oh, goal. sorry. I'm mixing things up. U-S-A-U-S-A-U. Now, I was going to say this. I know he's kind of been the brunt of a lot of jokes, especially since he's come back into the sport this year. But Nico Hulkenberg, take a bow. Like, wasn't he up to fourth before? Yeah, he had a great right. Yeah. He had great qualifying too. The Q1, he was up there third or fourth, and then he tailed off or whatever. I wish they could combine the Haas drivers' like tendencies because Hulk has been on fire in qualifying pace wise. And then K Mag makes it up pace wise in the race. So just mind meld, figure that shit out. And like yeah. Haas has like a quick car this year. So uh, if the pink cars the bubble yum keeps running into each other the double bubble they might they might end up p6 in the championship and that'll be a huge step forward for them yeah that would be awesome so i i know we're 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 wrapping up but we started this off as debating whether or not these races are exciting because part of me is like yeah max is gonna win that loses some of the appeal for me we know that max is always gonna win i know he hasn't won all three races but Essentially, like Red Bull is dominating right now. As the uh, as the fan of the midfield, Todd, what has been the best race in your opinion out of the first three? Ooh. That's a that's a really good question. I, it's almost recency bias, but I feel like there was. Well, no, I can't say Australia. It was exciting because of the chaos, but there was mostly a DRS train going on in the midfield. Um, I'd probably have to say Jetta because of the opportunities for overtakes. There was some, there was some pretty good, good battles in the midfield in that race. I mean, like that one, unfortunately, didn't get as much coverage. Like the midfield battles in Australia got a ton of coverage because Max had just just like fucked off out front by 10 seconds or whatever. Um, but I feel like there were some really good battles in, in the, the first or sorry, in, in, in Jeddah two one race ago. So that's it so far, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of fireworks. We're going to have a lot of max way out front. So we're going to get a lot more coverage for the midfield battles this year, at least in the short term. No, with uh, Todd, I don't think any one of these. <clears throat> I don't think any of these races have been that memorable per se. And sometimes I think we need these artificial storylines to kind of come to fruition. High chaos of the last race, but I'll say this: I just like watching Fernando Alonso 
get his podiums one time, one race at a time. So as long as he's winning, it's just a much more exciting sport. So that's the one constant I think that's been the most eye opening for me because I've been probably his biggest detractor out of all three of us. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, that's a great point. I, love, I, uh, I, I think most of the F1 fandom minus Max fans want Fernando to be up there battling. Because that's going to be pure excitement. And I think yeah. he's doing a great job bringing new people into the sport or reaffirming the faith of these new people that are like, hey, let me give this Formula One thing a try. And even though it seems boring because Max always wins, there are these little nuances in the midfield. And with this Green Bull resurgence, like it's just a fun thing to be a part of. So we thank the listeners for allowing us to tell our tales of silliness and technical brilliance every now and then. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's the the most uh, the best way to to wrap on this episode. To be honest, like the sport as it evolves is so it's so beautiful to be able to be a fan of a of a driver or a team, and within two or three years, it's completely fit, flipped. I'm completely biased on that as a Sacramento Kings fan who's like Aaron has waited 17 years for to get back to the playoffs, like. F1 never leaves you hanging like that, right? Like y- your drivers, your teams, people changing up. There's always opportunity for people to to bounce around. Maybe not to the top spot, but 100% to get to that second or third spot and be competitive in like a very short amount of time. Because if you would ask us four years ago, had we started this podcast four years ago and we were talking about Aston Martin in any way, shape, or form, we would have been like, no, no. I mean – Look, we're maturing as podcasters. Todd went how many minutes without talking shit about Lance Stroll? Like, how, what is this? How do we how do we apply the empathy theory from Mercedes to get more reviews and more support from our listeners, guys? All I know is Todd Yates <laughs> is a sandbagging son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm just saving it up. I'm sure he's gonna fucking run somebody into the wall in Baku. Okay, give the give the boys do. It's easy to not talk shit about him when he's in a fast car. That just no, proves bro. that you could put Gotifi in the current Aston and he would be a points finisher every time. Yeah, but could you put Logan Sargent in it? And would he be Logan a Sargent finisher? would be, I think, and this is maybe a hot take, Logan Sargent would be much closer to Alonzo's pace than Stroll will ever be. So can I bookmark a topic for next episode after Let's the next it. race? I think I want to get Todd's take on who has impressed him the most out of the new drivers because everybody's kind of had a moment of brilliance. Hmm. All right, I'll save it. I want to respond, but I'll save it. We'll have a little right. mid-season review. Quarter-season review. Trimester. Yep. Cool. Anything did else you, before we... Oh, did you get the fantasy I, I stats? So I okay. will... I will update it for next race. Apologies to our fans. We didn't get the fantasy points. You know um, what? No, I'm not apologizing. Write us reviews. Write us reviews. You get fantasy <laughs> updates. There you go. There you go. And if you have a problem with that, you can follow him at M-A-D-W-A-T-C-H. Mad Watcher 7. Oh, sorry. Mike. <laughs> Michael. Uh, no, uh, but it's it's just nice to get to do this with you guys again. So I know it's been a minute. So I thank you guys for indulging me as I've turned into Carmen San Diego in terms of a world traveler. But there's nothing like uh, coming back home and talking to a couple of my buddies about the sport that we all like. 
feeling is mutual. Definitely. It's good to catch up guys. Let everybody know how they can uh, follow along on your, uh, world worldwide uh adventures yep uh you can follow me on twitter at roheasy on instagram road m13 part of the exhaust notes sneaker history extended universe uh curry in a hurry only fans so yeah todd speaking of only fans where can they find you <laughs> uh, you can fi- find me on feet finder at uh curry in a hurry <laughs> um no you can find me on instagram at dad that's D A D S H U E uh dot JPEG. Shout out Schumacher. Um and I think I changed my Twitter finally to also be dadshu.jpeg. Uh more importantly, follow Exhaust Notes and join the Discord to come scream at me about my love for Lance Stroll. <laughs> uh the link link to Discord be the first link wherever you're listening to this. And uh you can follow at me. You can you can at me. <laughs> Um, <laughs> at Nick Ingvall on all the platforms. It's getting late. Uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate all of you. If you haven't left us a re- review, please do so. We would definitely appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Shout out to the Austrian Spitfire that keeps flying by past Rohit's house. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I'm in a Formula One race myself. Vroom. <laughs> <laughs>